from the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries right here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This is Dr. Shelton Smith with Making a Difference. I'm delighted that you've joined us today. We do get together here at this time on this station five days a week, and we look forward to opening the Bible, digging into the good things of God, and making application of them so that every one of us will be strengthened in our walk with the Lord. If you're not a Christian, we would be delighted for the privilege to introduce you to the Savior as well. But once you are saved, we want to get you acquainted with the Bible so that you'll begin to see how God would have you to live and work, and you'll be blessed and benefited by what you do serving the Lord and walking with Him. Let me remind you now, as we get ready for our study today, that we're just a few weeks now from the National Sword of the Lord Conference that'll be held right here in the Sword of the Lord Auditorium in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. In-person seating is by reservation. The reservations are free, but we have limited seating. And if you want to come, please call us at 615-893-6700 and make your reservation. Otherwise, we'll be live streaming worldwide and wherever that you are here in America or around the world, you should be able to get in on all of the services of the National Sword of the Lord Conference, July 19 through 22. That's Monday night through Thursday night. July 19 through 22, coming at us very, very soon now, and we look forward to having you along with us either in person or online. Now, if you've been with us for the last several days, you know that we've been working through Romans chapter number one. That chapter has some of the great themes of God that are major themes, things that God has made such a major to-do about that I'm convinced you and I should major on them as well. And we looked at them, nine major themes in detail, and we're going today to move one step further in the book of Romans. Because in addition to those themes, the Apostle Paul also gives some of his own testimony. As we've looked at the themes, and I repeat them here so you'll remember where we've gone. Verse 1 talks about the gospel of God. Verse 4, the Son of God. Verse 10, the will of God. Verse 16, the power of God. Verse 17, the righteousness of God. Verse 18, the wrath of God. Verse 23, the glory of God. Verse 25, the truth of God. And verse 32, the judgment of God. Those nine major topics are all clearly stated here in Romans chapter 1. Now, along with those nine themes, the Lord inspired the Apostle Paul in writing all of this, but he allows him to include his personal testimony in the process of the writing. You say, why would the Apostle Paul be allowed to put his own personal testimony in with the truths that are laid in here so clearly? Well, remember, epistles are letters. They are addressed either to churches or to individuals, and they have been preserved for us. They're not just abstract essays, but they are personal letters. And that personal touch just gives them a sense that uh, really helps us to grasp the truth and to understand the application of all the great truths that the Lord lays out. So right here in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the apostle starts his testimony by saying, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, 
called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, we pick up two things in this verse. First of all, he says that he is a servant of Jesus Christ. To be called a servant of the Lord is not unusual in the Bible. You'll find it any number of times. For example, the apostle Peter wrote to a group of Jewish Christians, and he said to them, and we'll find this in chapter 2 of that first epistle of Peter, he said to them that they too had a testimony. Here's the way he put it. He said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So what's he saying? He's simply telling us that those folks had a testimony. He said about them, you were unsaved, now you are saved. You were without mercy, now you have mercy. You were not a people. But now you are the people of God. In a way, he's just saying to them, you didn't have a national identity, but you have one now. And that is their testimony laid out so clearly, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. A similar thing happens, a similar thing happens in reference to the church at Corinth, and we pick that up in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 after making note of several major issues like adultery and drunkenness and idolatry. Verse 11, 1 Corinthians 6 says, And such were some of you. We're talking about their testimony here. Such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So what we have here is their testimony. Their past, very real very bad and very much a part of who they were before they came to Christ. But now he says, you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he is telling them what you used to be, you are no longer. You are now something fresh and new and special. Such were some of you. What a wonderful testimony that is that they came out of the darkness into the light. In another statement of testimony, I want you to look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 20. The Jerusalem church, at a time when they were under heavy pressure, I mean, they were under intense fire from their adversaries, and here was their testimony. They said, we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. That was just their way of saying, we have a testimony. We can't help but give it. So folks, you see just from these three illustrations out of the Bible that giving testimony is a very common thing in the Scripture. Now, what we're doing today is looking specifically at the testimony of the Apostle Paul here in Romans chapter 1. And he begins by saying that he is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, earlier in his life, he was not Paul at all. He had another name. He was called Saul. And he, as Saul, was a big shot. I mean, he was, he was a power player. He had authority from the Sanhedrin. He was going about the countryside doing hurt and damage to the Christians and to the churches. I mean, he was a persecutor in big, big fashion and really was a big shot in the Jewish economy. But he got saved. He was converted on the road to Damascus. Acts chapter 9 tells that story. As Saul, he was a big wheel. But as Paul, 
he lowered himself, he humbled himself, he abased himself, and he said, I am now simply a servant of Jesus Christ. As Saul, he gave orders, but as Paul, he took orders. He does have, however, an office. This same verse says, called to be an apostle. So friends, you can be a servant of God, a servant of the Lord Jesus, and have a position. You can have an office, and that office, like his office as an apostle, had authority. It had something about it that gave him the privilege to do things that maybe others did not have the privilege to do. But here's the deal. He was committed to be a servant and called to be an apostle. He signed up. He surrendered himself to serve the Lord, and then the Lord elevated him by giving him position. Now, when you and I hear the Apostle Paul in his epistles, over and over again, he signs those epistles by this designation, a servant of the Lord Jesus. You remember there's a place in the Bible where that God said, Moses, my servant. Well, my, Moses was a great leader, greatly revered, even to this day, by the Jewish people. And yet, the Lord said, he's my servant. You remember another statement that's in the Bible that says, and I quote, I am among you as he that serveth. Do you remember who said that? Well, I'll tell you who said it. It was the Lord Jesus himself. What an example. What a testimony. What an illustration for us that should help us in understanding this whole business of being a servant. You and I may have a position, but we need to remember that we are a servant. We serve the Lord, and in so doing, we have the privilege to serve others. That's our work. That's our ministry. That's who we ought to be. We, too, ought to designate ourselves simply as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you read on in this passage, verse number 1 also says, separated unto the gospel of God. That word separated is a special word in the Greek text that means to set boundaries or to establish a limit. And he says, we have separated unto the gospel, separated for the work of the gospel. Now, when you serve the Lord, boundaries are necessary. Limits will be needed. You remember there's a couple of places in the epistles, the sections that I call the put-off sections and the put-on sections. There are some things that just ought to not be in a Christian's life. And if you're going to be a servant of God, some things have to be put off. You cannot just do any old thing, be anybody that you choose to be, because the Lord has given specific orders, set boundaries, and set limits, and said, put that stuff off. And other things, he said, you got to put that on. Now, when you and I know who we are, we will designate ourselves as a servant. I mean, when we're thinking right, that's what we'll do. Not only who we are, but we'll know what we are as a servant. The Lord has called us and called us to be separated under the gospel of God. That means that we set boundaries, we set limits. What are we doing? We're making decisions about things we will do or will not do after that we begin to serve the Lord. There are times, dear friend, when you and I just need to say no. I've often said to some of my preacher brethren, we need to learn how to say no in about 29 different languages. I mean, just over and over and over again, there'll be things almost every day of your life that somebody will propose to you, somebody will bring before you, and it's not something that would be becoming to a servant of God, and it's not something that any Christian should do, and consequently, you and I just simply need to have the courage 
and the conviction that will enable us to say no when no ought to be said. In addition to that, there are things where that you and I should say yes. We ought to say yes every time that it honors the Lord, every time that it fits in with the Word of God. We ought to say yes to all of those things that the Lord lays out. And if He lays a boundary down and there's something that ought to be put off, you and I ought to say yes and put it off. There are times when we ought to put on things and we ought to say yes to whatever the Lord says put on. Otherwise, dear friend, you're going to be frustrated and confused in your effort to serve the Lord. Sometimes people get in the work they're saved. I don't have any doubt that they've been born again, but they get in and they don't put off what they ought to put off and they don't put on what they ought to put on. And they do not realize that being called to be a servant of God means that they will have to separate themselves in some ways. And consequently, when they do not do that, they're frustrated, they're confused, and likely, likely they'll wind up a casualty. And I'm sorry to say that, but it's very, very true. Now, one more thing. Verse number five, he tells us that he has received grace. So three things we've gotten hold of today. He says, I'm a servant, I'm separated, and I have received grace. Folks, don't ever forget where you were before you got saved, who you are now, and how you got here. Now, Lord willing, tomorrow I'll pick up right here and we'll talk more about this matter of grace and what it means when the Apostle Paul in his testimony says that he has received grace. Remember the great themes, nine of them, and now the Apostle Paul giving his testimony, and that takes us to a whole new level when we begin to apply the great themes that God has made major ado about. Dear friends, thank you for being along today. We're always glad when you join us and look forward to having you right here with us every day, five days a week. Listen, I would love to hear from you. I would love to know what station you're hearing us on, and I would also be delighted to know where you live. So write me a note. Tell me you're hearing the broadcast. Tell me where you live. Tell me what station you're hearing it on, and I'll be happy to hear from you. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133, or send us an email at radio at com. Well, God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Be sure to join us right here at this station, same time tomorrow. Lord's blessings until then.